You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Good to be together, man. Well, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up to 2 John. It's like if you need to go to the table of contents, that's completely acceptable because my guess is, as many of you have not read it, it's a very, very small little book of the Bible, and we're going to be going through five of those little bad boys and boys in the next few days, so in the next few weeks, and so we're excited about that. So um, yesterday, I was up on a hot air balloon. If you saw all the hot air balloons in the valley, uh, that my wife and I were up there, celebrated 18 years of marriage. It was awesome. So it was a lot of fun, and we flew right over the 303, like like very low. It was awesome. How many of you guys been in a hot air balloon? Brave. <laughs> Talked to somebody earlier. They said, I would do a hot air balloon if I had a parachute with me. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that would be, that'd be nuts. Imagine talking to the pilot about that. And they call them pilots, and I can't even believe they call them pilots. I'm like, you, you operate a basket. You're a pilot? So that's why it costs so much money, because they have a fancy title. But hey, I guess if you're in the air, you know, you got to do it. So anyway, uh, Second John's where we're going to be. I want to tell you a story uh, to illustrate the main idea. The main idea today is, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, note takers, outline makers, is that you need to learn how to walk before you run. And in 2020, um, things slowed down. And I bet that a lot of you want to hit 2021 like running. Like, I get it. And I know there's a lot of optimism around 2021, and I'm not, to be your, I'm not here to be your Debbie Downer, but I will say this, is that I think we need to have, I think it's going to be a lot better year this year because, not because our circumstances necessarily are going to change, but because we've gained wisdom. And so, I mean, man, I mean, I would not take, I know, I know some of you are going to say, are you serious? I would not take back 2020. Because I know that God is going to use the hardship for a great work around the world. I mean, yes, I hate all the, 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 in, the, the, the disaster and the hurt of pain and suffering. I do, I do, I do. And I'm dealing with some of that even right now in family and friends. But I'm going to trust God that his ways are perfect, and that God can even use hardship for his glory. And I believe that, and I'll accept that, and I'll embrace that, and I'm going to teach that. Um, I'm not saying let's celebrate pain and suffering, but I am saying I think that we need to embrace that God is good, he's in total control, And that in every situation, God uses all things for good for those who know Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean all things are good. Like there's a lot of bad things that happened in 2020, but he uses all things. And so this message today is this, it's a temperance on the Christian uh, journey that you learn how to walk before you run, okay? Let's say that together. Walk before you run. All right. So here I was. I was in junior high. I was a crazy skilled skate, skateboarder. I mean, I played baseball. I played football. I did all the teams. And I was decent. 
But man, when I was in junior high, I was even skinnier and scrawnier than I am now. And those dudes got big. And I got leveled. Coach told me, like, you need to gain 100 pounds if you're going to play in high school football. I'm like, forget that. I can't gain 100 pounds. I tried. I ate all the cheeseburgers in the world. Couldn't do it. So I'm just saying. So I got onto a skateboard. I could skate. I could snowboard. I could ski. I could slalom. I did it all. And so I was good at that. I was really good at that. So I just did that. Then I break my ankle. Snap it. Did you hear that? On a, from roof to roof. I mean, I was a bad mamma jamma. I mean, we were doing videos and doing the sponsor me videos, sending them to California. I had my big dreams from Little Rock, Arkansas. I was going to be sponsored. Oh, man. And so anyway, I break my ankle. But here's the bummer. It broke my plans with my dad. My dad and I had a rocky relationship at that time. I was a junior high punk kid. And, uh, but the one thing that we had in common was the outdoors. And I couldn't go on this big adventure because I broke my ankle. And I was in a cast, and he was mad at me. He, he didn't like skateboarding in the first place. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, he, I had size 40 uh, jeans, and my dad would be walking around with me, and he'd be like, here's my bag boy, and he'd pull my pants Here's my bag boy, you know, and I mean, I just, look, I just looked silly, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Back then, I'm glad skateboarders don't wear size 40 anymore. That's great. But I'm just saying, so I, my dad's relationship, relationship, and I, it was rocky, and then I break my ankle, and then I can't go with my dad, and here's, here's what happened. I had a cast on, a big cast. My dad's a medical doctor. He's a Christian psychiatrist. Just because you're a Christian psychiatrist, and just because you're a medical doctor, but you practice psychiatry doesn't mean you know everything about medicine, right? And the body. Because he went to med school, he had to deliver babies and do all that. So on our rice ranch, he thought he could do everything. Like he literally, we caught him one time trying to neuter the cat. We're like, you're not trained for this. He's like, I did it in med school. <laughs> and then I cut myself and he's like, let me, let me stow you up, son. We're not going to pay for this. I'm a doctor. <laughs> And I'm like, Dad, you're crazy, you know? So then I break my ankle, and he's like, nothing's going to stop us from going on our family hunt. I'm like, really? I got a cast on. He, I was like, Dad, last I checked, I can't put my, my, my cast leg into the waiter for the, for the water. And he's like, well, hold on, saw that sucker off. And I'm like, what? You want to saw it off? He's like, I brought a saw. He goes out to the garage, grabs a saw, and goes, put it up on the table. <laughs> And cuts my cast off. And I'm like, yeah, let's go, Dad. My mom walks in. What are you doing? You're crazy. This is my son. What are you doing to my son? And so they, he wraps my foot up and says, Marion, just relax. Just relax. We're going we're gonna, to we're fine. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. <laughs> She's like, you're a shrink. You're not a doctor like a doctor doctor. So we go, and I go on the hunt. It was awesome. We just... It was a heyday of duck hunting in Arkansas. Duck, Arkansas is the duck hunting capital of the world. So we go, and after the deal, my leg is really swollen and not doing good. I mean, he took it off about four weeks too early. So, you know, and my dad's just kind of a gung-ho kind of guy. And so he said, well, take some Tylenol, rest, ice, compression, elevation, rice. That's our name. Get it? Rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Uh, so anyway, so that's what we did. And then 
I remember I got out of the cast and I started to walk around the room and my dad said, now don't walk on it too much, you know, but you can hunt in the water because all the pressure, you know, and, uh, but you can't, you can't walk on it. You can just hunt on it. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, dad. So anyway, so I start walking on it and then I say, forget this. I'm not walking. I'm running. I don't know if I drank a Red Bull or what, but I just sort of take off running and I just fall apart. My ankle got so messed up. I was weeks and weeks delayed on this baby healing. And here's the life lesson. Sometimes we think we can go ahead and take a shortcut and try to start running. And we may saw some things off and pull some things apart to make it happen because we're a make it happen kind of people. I mean, that is the Arizona way. We are pioneers. We're frontiersmen. We're make it happen kind of people. I'm that kind of person. I grew up in that kind of household. But when it comes to just getting through 2020 and going into 2021, I think this is the idea I need you to catch today from what the Apostle John's going to teach us. Sometimes you need to walk before you run. And we may all be amped up, pie in the sky, excited for 2021. I'm just saying, Let's just make sure we get some basics down. Like, what would have been good was my dad would have been like, hey, son, like, probably should do some physical therapy. We kind of cut that thing off about four weeks too early. You need to gingerly learn how to walk really good. Instead, it's just like, let's go. And then I've got a bum leg. So thanks, Dad, if you're watching. It's all your fault. He FaceTimed me right before the service, and he was out on a hunting trip. And he's like, hey, your cousin got a deer. You know, I'm like, oh, awesome. I got to go preach, Dad. So anyway, here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn about the Apostle John, and this is his big message. You better learn how to walk before you run. It's kind of like a, just kind of like, just slow down just for a sec. But then let's, let's do that thing. Let's run the race that God has marked out for us. Let's live this life. Let's live it to the fullest. But before we go, we better learn how to walk before we run. So we're looking at the uh, second John, and uh, I'm going to give you a, a backstory. This is a lengthy uh, introduction, and then we're going to work through the text, and then we're going to uh, walk away with some practical application. But let me just, let me just read through the text and I'll try to explain as much as I can, so it's not going to make a lot of sense on the front end, and then I'm going to tell you all about John, okay? So here it goes. Second John chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter. Chapter 1, it says this, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the what? Okay, keep, keep stay with me here. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us for what? Ever. Truth is forever. Grace and mercy and peace uh, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in what? Love. There you go. Walking in the truth and love. So in your Bibles, my guess is, is this little subsection, this isn't divine uh, content right here, walking in truth and love. Uh, editors put that in later, and that's totally cool because that captures the message of what I'm saying today. And here's what we need to know about walking. 
in a spiritual sense, it's about the Christian life is like your whole, your Christian life is about living day by day, choosing to honor God, live by God's word, follow God's spirit, do what he tells you to do. That's the Christian walk. And I'm glad it's a walk because I'm a terrible runner, but I, I mean, I like to run, but I'm not a good runner. And I've got some PTSD from running, you know? And the truth is, is that the most important thing that we do in 2021 is figure out how to walk out the Christian life. Here's what John says. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children, he's referring back to church folks, the church is like a big family, walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. In verse 5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, that we love what? One another. It's all the time, all throughout the scripture, you see that word, love one another. Verse six, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Are you picking up on it? You better walk in it. That's what he's saying. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. It's not literally the Antichrist that I preached about in our end time series. This refers to just the idea of the actual word is those that are against Jesus Christ. He's saying, watch out for this. Look at, he says in verse eight, he says, watch watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we've worked for but may win a full reward. Verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead does not abide in the teaching of Christ. That Look at that. That's a caution. Like, slow down, he says. Everyone who goes on ahead starts running, in other words, does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. That ought to slow us down for a moment. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son, Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. There's a lot of folks that were going around during that time teaching false ideas, false Bible, false doctrine, false truth. And he's saying, don't open your doors. Don't don't let them in. Verse 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather... Not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you, talk face to face, so their joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So what's going on here in the text? Well, a couple of things is one, I think this is a church writing to another church. John is an apostle. He's also called the elder. In the very beginning of verse one, you see the elder. He's writing to the elect lady. Why is he saying the elect lady? That's just kind of weird. Well, he's saying that because it's a, He's talking about the, referring to the church in a feminine sense, like the bride of Christ. And when we talk about church sisters in today's times, it roots back to the, the historic biblical context uh, in the first century. Uh, last week, we had Pastor Chahan uh, come and preach, and he, in a sense, is a sister church, that church is. So these are John, the apostle who was with Jesus, and I'll tell you all about him in just a second, he's writing to another church, and he calls them the elect lady and the children, meaning the leadership there, the church there, the people there. Why does he do that? Well, because Nero was in power. Nero's not a bad guy. 
He's, uh, you know, he's the Caesar, not like pizza, pizza, but bad, real bad. He would impel Christians on uh, spears in his courtyards, like our courtyard, light them on fire and have big parties. Christians were hated in that culture. So we've not always been so free in our faith. So John is a survivor. He experienced loss. He saw two political powers go into position. Nero, and then he saw Domitian. And Domitian brought in systematic persecution. When Nero was in power, persecution for Christianity was only sporadic, meaning it happened in little pockets. But later, it would become systematic, meaning empire-wide, we knock out the Christians. So let me tell you about some of John's friends. I'll tell you Peter. Peter is one of the closest, one of John's buddies. And uh, they were there, remember, in the upper room with Jesus. On the last night, when Jesus instituted communion, do this in remembrance of me. Peter was there. Peter was one of John's best friends. It was Peter, James, and John. And they were all really close. And John is the last survivor of all the apostles. And he writes this letter that I just read to you right before he's about to be exiled to the island of Patmos. But let me just tell you about the carnage that John has gone through and the loss of his friends. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't think that he was worthy of being crucified in the same manner as Jesus Christ was. He was crucified under Roman law in 66 AD at the same time the apostle Paul was beheaded. John knew his friends. They lost their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Andrew, another one of the disciples, uh, he, was, he went to the Soviet Union, what we call now the Soviet Union. He preached the gospel there as well as in Asia Minor and modern Turkey and Greece, and he was crucified as well. Or think about Thomas. He would have been friends with Thomas too. He was the doubter. Thomas was, went to India, and he was uh, uh, speared by soldiers there and killed for his faith. Or Philip, he had a powerful ministry in Carthage in North Africa and Asia Minor. And uh, he was arrested and then he was cruelly put to death. Then there's Matthew. Matthew was that tax collector guy. He was the shrewd business guy, the, the hustler who, who was invited to follow Jesus and John befriended him. They were friends and he was killed for his faith. He was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. And then there's Bartholomew who accompanied Thomas back in India as well. And he was put to death on various accounts. There's record of his martyrdom as well for preaching the gospel. And then there's James. And John's watching all his friends just go. I talked to friends that are, you know, like my dad had a real dark season in life where he said, I've lost all my best friends. I don't know what to do anymore. They're dead. I don't know about you, but when you lose a loved one, it hurts. And I'm not talking even about a family member. I'm talking about friends that people that you love. This was just normative at this point in time for John. He's lost everybody. 
And then there's Simon the zealot. He was uh, refused to give a sacrifice to the sun god, and he was killed brutally as well. And then there's Matthias, who was the apostle chosen to replace Judas, and he was in Syria with Andrew and put to death by burning. And then there's, there's John. And John is the oldest living disciple of the 12, and he died, according to church history, a natural death. He's an old man. I like old people. That was awkward, but I like old people. I like old people because old people have seen things. Not like spirit things or anything. I'm just talking they've seen, they've seen life. John's an old man at this point in time. He's like Grandpa John. And you're just his grandkids, spiritually speaking. So John's seen things. He's a pastor leader in Ephesus at this time. And you know what John did, according to church history? He took in a, a lady who was heartbroken when her son died. He took in Mary. He cared for her. He loved her. That's what Jesus said. Mary, go with him. John, that's your mom. John is a tough guy, but he's also tender. And somehow he's a survivor. I think he has something to say to us about today's times. He's seen the political upheaval. He knows economic crisis. He knows what it is to experience loss and hardship. And he's still got joy. Isn't that amazing? He's still got joy. That's why I'm incredibly optimistic that no matter what comes our way, we can still have joy in 2021. So here's the main idea. Again, walk before you run. John said it repeatedly. Walk, walk, walk. I'm a quail hunter. I love to hunt uh, quail because I just have to walk. And if you run, you overpressure your dog and the dog can't find the birds. So you just walk. And when I'm an old man, I'm just going to go walk. And one day y'all will find me in the field. I will have walked and then I walk no more. That's the Christian life. Just walk. So how do you walk? Back to the basics. Number one, you better learn how to live by love. The most important message for a Christian, love. It's the greatest commandments. Uh, Love God, love neighbor. What connects the two? Love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling, though. And this is why you have so much divorce. I fell out of love. Dude, of course you did. But love's a choice. Just choose love. That's what you do. Who else chose to love? I'll tell you. Jesus chose to love. Do you remember on the cross when those people who put that thorny crown on his head and crushed it down on him and dug into his skull and was bleeding and then he was beaten, and whipped and then he was spit and then he was mocked upon and they wrote king of the Jews, crucified him. 
And then at the very end, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Love is a choice. I guarantee you the heart of Jesus and his humanity chosen did not feel love. Jesus is 100% human and he's 100% God. Very important theological concept called the hypostatic union. He's fully man, fully God. We better learn how to live by love if we're going to do this thing called 2021. And you need to know this, that love is sacrificial. It's going to take sacrifice. There are people that you need to love as a Christian now more than I think ever in our, in our history of living on this planet. So who do you love? Let me tell you who you should love. If you're Republican, you love the Democrats. If you're Democrat, you love a Republican. Now stop for a moment. What I don't mean is that you embrace all the ideologies and the political thoughts. If you're, if you're straight, you learn how to love the gay people. I know you're probably offended by this, but I think you probably ought to be. Love covers a multitude of sins is what the Bible says. Um, the hero in the parable of the good, of the, of the, when Jesus illustrated the greatest commandments, he uses the Samaritan, somebody who has different political ideology, someone who has different ethnicity, he uses him as the hero. That was an insult to the religious community, a deep insult. Christians right now need to figure out how to love people now more than any other time in our history. That does not mean that you wholesale adopt other people's positions, ideas, or thoughts. It means that you, how about, let's use the cliche, learn how to love the sinner, but hate the sin. Why is this so important? Because it's so important because the name and fame of Jesus is at stake and the credibility of the church. Love is the most repeated command in all the scriptures. Uh, John echoes it time and time again. This is how you need to love. I've said it so many different times. I mean, for, for us as people is that we want to learn how to be relationally inclusive and include as many people into our sphere of connection and care or capacity to engage and relationally connect with as possible. But you biblically or from a truth standpoint want to exclusively hold on to the truth. And you say, how do I do that? We'll get to that in just a moment. But remember, Jesus is the source of truth. But he's also the most loving person you'll ever meet. Jesus had an ability to do this. Remember he engaged the prostitutes, the, 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 the gluttons, and the, and the drunkards? You remember that? Jesus is our example in that. The greatest command is to love, and love comes from him. It says, you know, that uh, we can love because what? God first loved us. If you have a problem with loving people, then you probably have a problem of letting God love you. What this doesn't mean, again, is that you're, you're, you're abandoning your convictions. It means that you're being, taking extra measures of steps to make sure that people know that you love them, even though you disagree with them. 
So does God love the sinner and hate the sin? I think he does. Or why else would the Apostle Paul say, this is a trustworthy saying that Christ Jesus came to die for sinners. So, you know, racially what's going on right now is there's a lot of hate. A lot of black people hate white people. A lot of white people hate black people. Police are being targeted. Police are being aggressive. I'm just saying there's a lot of hate right now in our world. And I think right now is we've got to figure out, are we going to be, are we going to hear the voice of Grandpa John saying, good job, you live by love. That was you. Or would Grandpa John, if he was writing us, would he say, you guys lived like with hatred? Would that be our church? Would that be us? Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Love is sacrificial. It's something you got to give up. Jesus is the greatest example of this. Love is sacrificial. It costs you something. It costs your pride. It costs your reputation. Did it cost Jesus to love the gluttons and the drunkards and the, and the sinners and the tax collectors? It cost him a lot. It cost him a lot when he invited these close people into his life and he knows full and well all of them are going to die a martyr's death. Love is sacrificial. You want a good marriage? Sacrifice. You want good relationships with people? Sacrifice. Love is a main theme of the Apostle John for us to hear, and I think it's a main theme for us in 2021. And I would say love with God's love. You don't need more of yourself. You need more of God. You need a supernatural, powerful level of love. God is the source of love. You can love because he first loved you. God's love is supernatural. Your love is natural and normal. His love is extraordinary. Your love is ordinary. But we as Christians have that ability to kind of like transition into a new level of power. Like that old song, that's the power of love. Some of you guys, you're old like me and you know that song. But I'm just saying there's something there that we could tap into is loving with God's love. I call it gospel love. This is how relationships work. You wronged me. Forgive you. I love you. No matter what you do or what you say, I'm always going to love you. How about that? That's powerful. I disagree with you. I don't like the lifestyle you live, but I love you in the name of Jesus. That's powerful. That's God's love. Do you think those guys that were crucifying Jesus had any right to, for God to love them? They were guilty. They're crucifying the Messiah. If the humanity of Jesus was the only thing present at the cross and not the divine nature, I think he probably would have begged God to bring down hellfire and brimstone on those folks right then and there. But he tapped into that fully divinity. 
And you and me, while we don't have that full divine nature, we do have a divine nature with Christ within us. There is something spiritual about our being that's called a soul. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So that means everywhere we go, there is a spiritual nature at work in us. And so we can access a divine level of love. We can. And 2020 has taught us about how to live more wisely and has presented all sorts of obstacles for us. And my guess is all these obstacles will not be removed and we still are called to walk. And if you run and you forgot about the obstacles, you're just going to trip. So learn how to walk really, really well. Secondly, I just say live by truth. This is what the Apostle John had echoed on and on again. And why did he echo this, living by truth? Because Jesus, his Lord, whom he walked with and knew so well, said this, I am the way, I am the truth. Here's the problem in today's culture. I wrote this phrase down, and I'll try to illustrate it, is but we live in a post-truth culture today in which objective facts are less influential in shaping one's opinion than appealing to emotion and personal belief. Truth doesn't hold the weight it used to. It doesn't matter how true it is. If somebody personally disagrees with you and it bothers them emotionally, they will say it's not even true. Truth doesn't hold relevance. True is true in today's times, as long as it doesn't personally offend somebody. But the moment it personally offends somebody, it's false. Got into a conversation with somebody I love tremendously, and they just said, well, okay, okay, fine. You presented all the facts and blah, 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 but I've already made up my mind. I don't care. I saw a research project of a um, six foot four uh, African American man was walking a campus and told uh, was told to self identify as a four foot Asian uh, teenager. So he goes around the college campus and says, "Hello, my name is uh, Tanya. I'm a four foot uh, five or whatever Asian teenager. Is that cool with you? Um, yeah, that's cool. If that's what you identify as, I'm I'm cool with that." And then they were asked, do you really think this person is that? Well, I don't want to offend anybody here. If he or she identifies as that, that is their choice. And I will embrace that and accept that. So here's my point. We live in a post-truth culture in which objective facts are less influential in shaping one's opinion than appealing to emotion and personal belief. I think there's an identity crisis going on in our culture today, in our time. And what does the church need to do? Pound the truth drum? It's post-truth culture, man. Your truth doesn't matter. What does matter? Did you love them? Love does win. Should you know the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Does it matter? Is it the argument strategy today? No. I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with and tried to engage the truth, and we're good until it personally offends or hurts the person. 
and then it's off. So what do I do? Well, we're not friends anymore. I say, we're friends. I love you. I do. I don't agree with you. And don't force me to try to to do that. And I won't force you to try to agree with me. So that's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. It's a post-truth culture. So how do you... How do you live in a post-truth culture? You follow Christ's example. He's your numero uno example. This is why the, the humanity of Jesus Christ is so important. And if you look back and you read back in 2 John, John is actually defending that Jesus was fully human. He, he was defending that. Why is it important that Jesus is fully human? And Because then if, he's, if he was fully divine and not human... You would say to me, I can't follow him. He's God. He doesn't know how I feel. But if I say to you, he was 100% man. He, knew you, he knows your sorrows. He knows your struggle. He knows your suffering. He knows the hardship because he's 100% man. You would say, that's good. So that's just one reason he's 100% man. The other reason why he's 100% man is that he serves as a divine, he serves as a, a, a representative for all of mankind. When we went astray with Adam and Eve, who's to blame? Mankind. So what does Jesus do? He perfectly lives a sinless life and serves as a representative for you and me to make atonement, make peace with God, the Father. And so Jesus Christ is the example, though, for you and me in living out a life of truth. And Christ's example, by the way, I just told you is, look who he's friends with. Look how he does life. And every single one of us, including me, have room to improve. So if we want to run into 2021, and I tell you, the times that we see will increasingly change. In the days ahead, in the months ahead, the years ahead. So how do we live? We live by love and we live by truth. How do we do live by truth? We follow Christ's example. Secondly, you be rooted in Scripture. Learn your Bibles. Figure it out more often. Dig into God's Word. When there's doubt, engage the doubt. Don't run from your doubt. Just engage it. That's all. The Christianity is tough enough. It's robust enough. It can handle your doubt. It can handle your disbelief. I mean, that's why we have Doubting Thomas. Good guy. In the Bible, he's a good guy. Just needed a little more. So be rooted in Scripture. And then I would say just expect to, be, to face some opposition. And I want you to fearlessly face opposition. That doesn't mean that you're, you're mean and crude like a warrior going to war in our culture and cultural wars, which there are culture wars and we're in culture wars. But figure out how to fearlessly face opposition. And what do I mean by fearlessly? I mean, don't be afraid for opposition, but engage it. Some of you have a gift of intellect and you could argue with anybody and you will win. I don't know if that's the way right now to do things. I think maybe some of you could really do that and do it with the spirit of love, but most of us probably can't. 
So fearlessly facing opposition means that you just simply live out your life. You love people. You love God. And you expect people not to like you based on your beliefs. So opposition ought to increase in many realms as we live out our Christian faith in a post-truth culture. Just test me on this. Go out and find, just explore the post-truth concept. It's there. And so fearlessly face opposition. Don't be afraid, but be faith-filled in the process. And then third, I would just say this, is just filter the fake news. Filter the fake news. I think John the Apostle was doing this. He was filtering all the fake stuff. There's religious folks that were coming in town, and they're, you know, the house church movement was booming and grooving. It was going, and these people would come knocking on the door. Hey, let me talk to you. You know Jesus wasn't really human, right? You know? And they don't know exactly what's all they're going on. They're like, well, Grandpa John told us he was. He told us he was not only fully human, but he was fully divine. Well, do you really need to believe everything that old man says? They had to filter the fake news themselves. There was a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty. There wasn't a full uh, uh, council of Scripture that we have in today's time. And just like you need to filter the fake news, you're going to have competing voices in your mind online. You're going to have competing voices for uh, your Christian faith. And I think there's going to be an absolutely, for the fake news, that's a buzzword in today's times, um, depending on your political affiliation, you will intentionally or unintentionally be affected by the fake news. So whatever your political leaning is, the fake news will come to you like a magnet. Whatever your worldview is, the fake news or the misinformation will come to you. And then it will reinforce your bias. And so it perpetuates hatred. That's not the way I think God wants it. So how do you filter fake news in today's time? I would just say check the source. You check the source. Don't believe everything you see. Don't just jump on the bandwagon no matter what is said. Secondly, you check the self. Just realize that you are, like the old hymn says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God you love. Or the prophet Jeremiah said, did you not know that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things? So just realize that we're infected and affected by sin. You, me, all of us. So that messes up our thinking process. It messes up our heart engagement on how we connect with people. Like we're imperfect. So check the self. And then thirdly, I just say check the scriptures. Just check the scriptures. It's so important as a believer for you to constantly be immersed with the Word of God in your life. So you can buy a book. It's great. You're going to hear new Christian leaders come up and start speaking about things, and they're like, man, that is so cool. And if you ever hear somebody say, I have a new revelation, no. No, all the truth that we have, here's the good news. It's all there. It's all good. So 
I mean, everybody asks me, man, is it hard doing Christmas? I'm like, no, man, it's just a couple chapters in the Bible. I've been preaching the same thing for so long. Like, it's old truth, but it's timeless. That's, that's, the, that's the beauty of Christianity. It's historical. It's timeless. It just keeps, you can read it though, and it keeps helping us understand life in a new way. Well, I want to encourage you to do that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would apply it. And Father, wherever we find ourselves in this predicament, perhaps, of struggling to live by love or live by truth or filter the fake news, I pray that we would engage that. And Father, that we would be people of strong conviction and courage, but tender like Grandpa John, Lord, and tough like Grandpa John. We pray in your name, Jesus' name, the name above all names. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.